Hi, this is Adam Carolla. I want to thank you for supporting this podcast on the Corolla Digital Network. Everyone here at Corolla Digital is very proud of the shows that we put out every week and are excited about the future of our network. However, a patent troll is threatening that future by suing us. We need to fight back and beat the troll down. If we go down, all the other shows on the other networks you've grown to love are going to go down next. Visit fundanything.com forward slash patent troll to donate and find out other ways that you can help beat the patent trolls. Thank you and mahalo. This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. This show is sponsored by NatureBox. Order great-tasting, healthy snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine and get in shape for summer with healthy, delicious treats like everything bagel sticks. Support this podcast and get 50% off your first month. Go to naturebox.com slash allison. That's naturebox.com slash allison. Hi, everybody. It's Kathy Lee Gifford. And this week on Kathy Lee and Company, two of the funniest people literally on the planet. First, it's the sharp-witted Dennis Miller. And then a man whose comic art form specializes in creating some of the most most uncomfortably compelling characters we've ever seen, including his latest Netflix hero, Derek, whom I just love. And I'm crazy about the one and only Ricky Gervais at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Hello, my little sun chips. It's me, Allison. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Before this episode officially starts, we have time to talk about a little bit of stuff. I want to tell you guys about BarkBox. I love BarkBox, but you know who really loves BarkBox? My dog, Oliver. Um, So BarkBox is this company that ships you every month a box of four to six full-size products that your dog will go insane for. It's like toys, gadgets, um, single ingredient treats, stuff like that. Uh, Currently, Oliver is going insane over his Paris-themed BarkBox. Um, There's a little Eiffel Tower plush toy in there, and there's chicken cordon bleu treats and um, other it's just it's fun and your dog will love all the stuff in there and the thing that BarkBox does is they so they're based in New York and I think all their employees bring their dogs to the office and there's other dogs there and they have those dogs trying out the different things that they're considering putting in the boxes so basically everything is like focus grouped by their dogs it's like a movie. I think it's so cute. Uh, and everything that Oliver has received in his bark box, and he he knows now when the bark box arrives, like he knows what that is, and he gets very excited. And he, I haven't seen him go this insane for treats ever. It's like dog crack. And but it, you feel good about giving it to them, and it's just a fun thing to do uh, every month. So toys, grooming products, hygiene products, um, and bark box always tries to source from American vendors. Everything included is high quality, safe, tested by their own dogs, and. Um, BarkBox is dedicated to supporting the health and happiness of all dogs, so they donate to shelters. Uh, In 2014, their goal is to donate a million, and they give 10% of all proceeds back to their growing network of pup-loving partners. So to sign up, visit BarkBox.com slash best friend. Again, that's BarkBox.com slash best friend. Okay. Hello, Gary. Hey, Allison. How's it going? Not bad. How are you? I'm good. Did you notice that Ed Asner was flirting with me? I did notice that. I don't know how... It was flattering, actually. He's got two eyes and a heart. (laughs) Uh, Good answer. Okay. I think we have an iTunes (laughs) comment. 
moment of the week. We do. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. I'm still laughing at that. All right. This week's iTunes comment of the week comes from Not Your Average Grandma, and it is titled Washcloth versus Hands. I normally don't comment on shows, but I couldn't resist when you all were discussing using a washcloth or hands when showering. I use a washcloth on my face at the direction of my dermatologist because it acts as a mild exfoliator. For washing my body, I use an exfoliating poof. FYI, the tags on those things recommend replacing every 30 days. I love the show, and I agree with Gary that Allison is a great interview. I've heard many interviewer, my mistake. I've heard many guests comfortably talk about subjects that would normally be uncomfortable, and I love that you talk about all the everyday things like farting, pooping, and picking scabs. It's what makes it real, and I often laugh out loud. The Thursday episodes are my favorite. P.S. I double space between sentences. It's the way I was taught when I learned, and old habits die hard. Well, thank you much for your kind email. I have to say, ever since our discussion of the exfoliating poofs, and you know that I, I have a thing where I always want to say puff. It's in between poof and puff. Puff, but that's not a word. I'm informed. Um, but now, when I so the argument against is poof really a word? I don't know. What do you think? You think it's all puff? I think it's a description. I don't think that's really a word. I don't think you can go wrong in that that arena. Oh, you mean you mean puff is okay? Yeah, I mean poof is made up. So what's wrong with puff? Well, puff's definitely not made up. I say puff. Puff. Puff, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's all puff, puff. Yeah. Piffle, puffle, puffle. Um, but I've been corrected by people who are very militant about their exfoliation, I suppose. Yes. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. That's what they can do. Uh, anyway, after we talked about the exfoliating units on the show <clears throat> and the argument against them one of the arguments against them is that they get kind of nasty when they hang in your shower after a month and then you know i i knew that someone or i think i had read this comment that said that they recommend replacing them now every time i'm at the grocery store they catch my eye and i think maybe i want to get one of those again maybe i'll do it maybe i'll do it it's perhaps it's time to reintroduce one into my showering routine and yet i don't I just go it alone with my hands, no washcloth, no extra exfoliation, and I think I'm fine. Gary, what do you, do, are you one of the people that uses one of these? Yeah. I use it for everything. Really? Mm-hmm. Even the sensitive areas? Sure. So do you not even touch your body with your hands and your shower gel or soap? Like is it no. shower gel on to puff poof, poof on to body? I believe in using all parts of the buffalo, so <laughs> when I'm shampooing, I'll generally use oh, well, too yeah. much, and then I will take whatever excess and wipe uh, that all over my body the, with my the hands. The drippings. <laughs> sure. Just whatever. You know, I get, a little, I get a little aggressive with the shampoo every now and then. But when it comes to actually like, using body wash, I, unless I'm somewhere where, you know, like in my parents' house, they have bar soap, and I'll use that happily. I'm not going to go out right. and get some shit. But in my place, I have body wash, and I use the puff. But So you don't actually wash your body with your hands? No. That's what I'm saying. Hands don't touch your body in That's a cleansing fashion. Only when using excess shampoo. When it comes gotcha. to actually doing the work of this is the soap that will clean my body. No. Now, do you pour the shampoo directly on your head or into your hand first? Hand. This is, now, see, this is ripe for Thursday, all this talk. So We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. I'll tell you, though. I am 
I am going to reveal a little bit, and I hope it doesn't take away from the specialness of Thursday, but I'll tell you because it involves something that I know that you are passionate about. I've begun shower squeegeeing. It's... And and by that, listeners of the show who don't know what we're talking about, I don't mean squeegeeing a glass shower door. No, no. I mean, before you get out, you use your hands and you squeegee off the water. That came up on an episode with David Wayne, a Monday episode. And I was like, only a maniac would do that. I don't see the point. That seems silly because your hands aren't absorbent. So how is that actually removing any water? Well, squeegee's not absorbent on your windshield either. But you're right. Water. It's, it's very useful if you have to take more than one shower in a day. Because the towel does not end up getting as well. Right. That's, I, that's where I really – the real high-impact zone is the towel or mat you step onto that when you too. get out is not sopping wet. Yeah. I mean I'm so surprised at how, how much of a difference it makes when you squeegee off your body before you apply the towel to it. So knock me over with a feather. I'm a new woman. You know what else makes me a new woman? Nature Box Snacks. Uh, If you're like me, you like to snack when you're upset. Have I said too much? Let's not really take it in that direction. Let's just say a lot of people are snacking. Snacking doesn't have to be unhealthy. Snacking can be healthy with NatureBox. Hundreds of different delicious snacks. They're delicious and you don't feel guilty about eating them because they're good for you. Zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup. Uh, There's even snacks that are low on sugar, non-GMO, and without gluten. And they ship for free and they're all delicious. We received them at the studio. One time I received a box addressed to me, and everyone here jumps on the Nature Box treats so much because we all know that there's delicious stuff in them like PB&J granola, baked sweet potato fries, sweet blueberry almonds, that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, everyone knows what they are and was so excited by them. Adam stole my Nature Box, and then he gave it away. Or not gave it away, but he allowed... <clears throat> the animals that work in the other warehouse to devour my nature box. That's how much of a uh, hot ticket item this stuff is. Um, so you guys need to try nature box right now. And if you go to naturebox.com uh, slash Allison, you'll get 50% off your first box. Naturebox.com slash Allison. So snack smarter. Naturebox.com slash Allison and get 50% off your first month's box. I said box in a funny way. I said it like this. Box. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I don't know. It must be the heat. And you know what happens when it's hot? You show off more of your body. And if you're going to be showing off more of your body, you don't want stubble to be getting in the way of the pristine, sleek image you could be cutting. Uh, no, you need the No-No Pro. You've heard me talk about No-No for a while, but No-No Pro is even better. It's even stronger. The No-No Pro is a hair removal device that uh, you get weeks of long-lasting results. And, and this is why I love the No-No Pro, it is totally painless. You don't even feel it. It's this little portable device. You glide it along your skin. It removes the hair. Uh, Ladies, it's good for removing peach fuzz from your face. Guys, you can remove hair on your back um, or your neck. No more nicks, cuts, ingrown hairs. And it works on all skin types, all hair colors, safe and effective for both men and women. The more you use it, the less you need to use it. Um, It's up to 35% more powerful than before. I might have already said that, but it bears repeating. uh, So you can remove coarse or thick hair even more effectively. So don't 
inconvenience yourself with laser hair removal treatments or waxing or all that stuff that's messy and painful and inconvenient and expensive, um, get the Nono Pro. There's an exclusive offer for you guys. Uh, you get the Nono Pro device. You get an exclusive facial kit. You get the travel case, and it's a very snazzy travel case. If you order online, you get a free gift card, and the entire purchase is backed by Nono's triple guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them. You don't risk a penny to try Nono today. Call for details. Terms and conditions may apply. So get a pen or a pencil, some kind of writing implement, and write this down. Go to nonoprobestfriend.com or call 800-336-1665. Again, that's nonoprobestfriend or call 800-336-1665. Okay, here is the episode. It is with one of my favorite people in the whole world, Mary Catherine Ham. It is her return appearance. Um, I love her. And you'll note that we talk a bit at one point about Donald Sterling. Uh, so this was recorded a, a little while ago when that was just happening. I recall saying some stuff and thinking, I, I don't think I should be saying this because I feel like people are going to misinterpret what I'm saying. So I don't remember what it was, though. I just know that I had that feeling. So, uh, you know, go forth, misinterpret, if you will. Um, but anyway, it is a good episode. Um, and also, I should say, Mary Catherine wrote to me afterwards because um, she wanted to update some of the – or just augment some of the stuff she had said about breastfeeding because um, if I remember correctly, this is why I should really read my emails before I talk about specific emails on the show. Uh, but I think that she was actually – see, she and I are both similar, worried about being misinterpreted. Um, I think she was worried that she made it, it sound like too easy breezy – and that people might then feel Beautiful bad. If, cover girl? Yes, exactly that. Um, I think she was a little bit worried that she had portrayed it as like such a snap that if people were having trouble with, with breastfeeding their newborn, that she might think they were judging them. I might be putting words in her mouth. I will clarify this on the Thursday episode if I got this part wrong. Anyway, I think what both of us are basically saying is, hi, love us, please. And I hope you love this episode. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Here's the episode. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here with Mary Catherine Ham. It is her second time on the show. It is. Very exciting. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for coming back. Much has changed. First of all, your hair is shorter it is. and it's layered and it is super cute. Thank it was you. super cute before, but it's it's even you've taken the super cuteness and just pumped up the volume Thank on you. that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Girlfriend. And you've had a baby. You had a baby. You brought a baby with you inside you yes, last time. I did. <laughs> and now you don't have the baby with you. I don't have the baby with me. Uh, she's not mic ready, frankly. <laughs> How old is she now? Uh, she is almost nine months old. Wow. Yes. So when I was here before, she was... What seven months? You're in seven utero, months, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and she is way more fun outside <laughs> than in. I had kind of a tough pregnancy, which we talked about before, with the sickness all the time, and she has been such a chill, awesome baby that I feel like maybe she's giving me these nine months, and then we'll 
Right. Then we'll then we'll fight after that. But she's like, let me lay off for about nine months. <laughs> You've earned this. <laughs> yes. Oh, that makes me wonder if babies who are re- like people who have really good pregnancies are just in for hell. I I think it's all totally random. But I do appreciate that she's taking it easy on me. <laughs> so I do. I want to hear about what childbirth was like and all that. And then also yes. you just. <laughs> so does Gary. <laughs> do I? You just did O'Reilly. I did. We need to talk about that. We need to talk about the fact that you uncovered the information for the makeup artist I was trying to find. Yes. But first, what I want to bring up is the last time you were on the show, I tweeted that, you know, I tweeted the episode and then I got a little bit of shit from someone who said, why why am I referring to you as a conservative pundit when I have oh, liberals yeah. on? I don't refer to them as liberals. And I was like, but actually, I think you're the only person I would refer to as a pundit that I've had on. Right. Yeah. I think and, that's a fair characterization. And I, th- I think I might have tweeted back to that person like, that, this is what I do for a living. Right. It's, it's fine. That is not all I am as a person, but it's fine to identify me in that way. Okay. Yeah. That's I wanted correct. to know what your thoughts were about that because it's – and people always wonder, you know, like if I'm going to be on TV, how should they label me? How should they chiron me? Right. And I don't know. I also don't like that we live in a world where everyone has to have a label. But if I have a musician on, I'm going to say they're a musician. If I have, you know, an author, I'm going to say they're an author. If I have – that everyone – people want to know in a couple words, well – how, how would I know this person? What is this person? So right. you feel like conservative pundit is yeah, that's accurate. fine. Like I'm, I'm a conser- I identify as a conservative who leans libertarian, but nobody needs to get all that technical about it. This is my job. That's fine. I'm also like Mary Catherine Ham, comma likes McDonald's French fries, <laughs> but that is not in my Chiron or my job description. So you know, right. we, I have other things that I enjoy. But do you? Sorry to get so political right that's off a- off the bat, but do you agree that? People do describe pundits as conservative, but they don't describe them as liberal. I think, I think sometimes and frequently in the media, there is a tendency to, for instance, if you're quoting a conservative organization, to say that's a conservative organization so everyone knows. And if it is a liberal organization, it will be treated as sort of the default mm-hmm. position and not labeled as such. That is an issue. But I don't think on this show that's an issue because, like you said, <laughs> there may be people who are liberals sitting in this chair, but they're not identified as liberal pundits. So, right, right. But they're and they're also not on the show as someone who talks about politics. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Okay, glad we got yeah. that behind us. So, <laughs> I think we're good. what did you talk about on O'Reilly? Because you just did O'Reilly just oh, now. Yes, we talked about Mr. Sterling's comments, the LA Clippers owner, which. We'll just I'll just open up about this. It is one of the most nerve wracking things on the planet to go on national TV and talk about race. And so I'm still a little bit like "Mm -hmm," from that. Well, uh, and it hasn't even aired yet or has it? No, it it, it has not aired yet. It'll air tonight. And it's just one of those things where, you know, I grew up in an extremely diverse community. I'm comfortable in that situation. I'm comfortable talking about race and was as a child, did frequently as a child growing up in school. It was something we always discussed because I went to majority minority schools. So there was a lot to talk about. And I felt very comfortable sharing with friends about that when you're doing it in the public eye and when you're doing it as somebody who's identified as a conservative, it's very tough. And there is, you know, a microscope on you and you feel like any word or any sort of mild misunderstanding can be used to make you that person and Mm -hmm. you never want to be that person. So it's always a little, I talked to my sparring partner and friend Juan Williams after the show to say, 
how do we think that went? We feel good about that. But it was, I think it was a good exchange. But yeah, there's, there's right. always some of that when we talk about the more sensitive subjects. Were you, was he in, was he in the same location as you or were you on No, remote? I just called I him like that when even, I was done. Oh, <laughs> even more nerve wracking. Yes. So, but uh, I, I think it went well. It's just one of those things where you're, you feel like I'm happy to stand up for my position on any number of political issues when those issues mean that someone can sort of project racism upon you, like that gives you license to call me a racist, mm-hmm. then you then you feel like, ooh, I'm not being understood. I'm not, you know, and I only have seven seconds to make myself clear on right. a really tough subject. Right. So, well, so think, what is your position on that? Um, I think obviously that the comments are abhorrent and that on this particular news story, the yeah. comments are abhorrent and that, that folks who – that one, it is important that this is national news because we have made progress as a society and it wouldn't uh, be national news if we hadn't. And so I think that's something we, we should acknowledge mm-hmm. um, that Americans hear this and their stomachs turn uh, for, the, for the most part. And that's just their natural reaction and that says something good about us uh, and that he will pay a tremendous price socially and financially because – as he should, in this case, he told a large part of the American public and a possible customer base that he thinks they're bad people because of their skin color. So, yes, you're going to lose a bunch of money. I don't know what the NBA will do about it or, frankly, if you can – I don't think you can take people's property from them as in an NBA team because you don't like their thoughts on a subject. So that's a whole other issue. But anyway, it's 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 – all of these kinds of stories, when you hear this stuff, can be depressing just on its face, just to yeah. think about it and say, ugh, this is still going on. But I also try to say, like, look, the reason we're talking about it for a week is because we don't hear this in public very often. And I don't think it's because every other person you see on the street has this thought inside of them but isn't expressing it. I think most of us are genuinely good people who are trying not to have those thoughts. So. Yeah. Um, did you listen to the whole tape? Uh, most of it, yes. It's – I – I've, this is the kind of thing that I should not admit on the air because um, here's what the kind of thing that I always end up paying for when I say this. <laughs> but at the beginning when I listened to it before I started hearing the bad comments, just there's a part of it where she's like, do you want juice, honey? Do you want mm-hmm. juice? And she's just – you can tell that he's really old and she right. I, their relationship – I don't know, you know. And I just weirdly felt sorry for him or I felt compassion for him just – it's like I just feel sorry and I feel compassion for people that I that I know that I should hate. Yeah. Um. But then then when I started hearing the comments, I'm like, it, weirdly, I felt like, oh, phew, he is a total dick. Have you, have you gone back and read like some of the history? Well, yeah, that's the other thing is there, it's not like this is new. You're not going to feel bad for him for very long. Yeah. Oh, no. And like, I, I, didn't, I know what you're saying. I know I, and I know you well enough to understand exactly what you're saying. No, which, no one ever. No one else ever does understand it, which is why I should never admit to it. But but I get what you're saying, yeah. even if I don't necessarily feel that way. But if you go back and read a few articles, you don't have to read many. Just read like two or three. And yeah. they, they, they go like a decade at a time. Yeah. And well, it's I like mean, all, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is 40 years of institutionalized racism in right. a massive organization that's largely African-American. And, yeah. I, and I believe he's admitted to or settled out of oh, court. Oh, they paid $2.7 million yeah. because of the real estate stuff. So, yeah, no, no, he's awful. But I just didn't hear – I didn't hear the awfulness in his voice. 
I heard an, just an right. old, feeble man. But then very, very quickly, I did hear the awfulness. Yes. <laughs> I mean, very quickly, even just he, he says to her, are you stupid? You know, and I don't know. But it's I think that we want racism to fit into a box. And the fact yes. that he's dating a woman who is mixed race. Um, but I like it just I don't know the whole thing. It's so baffling. It doesn't really make sense to me. I don't understand why he's saying, you know, do whatever you want in your own time. Sleep with black men if you want. Just I, I don't right. understand what the issue is with it being on Instagram and then people calling him. I don't either. And and I, I don't know if I'll get crap for this. I said it tonight. But I, I actually like I genuinely feel compassion for the uh, coach and players who have to deal with this during playoffs, which to me as somebody who played team sports is like, ugh, they're being they're being dragged into this national drama and something that affects many of them extremely emotionally, I imagine. Most important uh, part of their job, you could argue. Right. And they've got this fucking shit going down. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's just terrible. And he brought it on his own organization. I don't know. It's just ugh. I don't <laughs> enjoy talking about things like that. There's a lot of things in politics that I'm happy to dust it up about and you know, happy to talk about and sort of enjoy a back and forth and things like this can just make you go, okay, yeah. please don't anybody try to willfully misunderstand me. I'm trying my best to communicate this in a polite and like proper way and to, you know, make, so w- make the conversation work. If, if you were sparring with Juan Williams, what was his position? We weren't really sparring in this particular right. instance. We weren't really on opposite sides at all. Um, and I think you know that that came out in the segment. We just sort of covered slightly different areas, right? And both of us mentioned the uh, the fact that this has been going on for a long time and is documented. And then, and nonetheless, the NAACP was giving him awards. That's weird. Which Juan said, "Look, guy's got a lot of money. Billionaires get their asses kissed." That's not what he said, but you know, this mm-hmm. is, and that to me is a bad sign as well. Like we shouldn't be giving license because you have this money, right? For sure. Um, all right, so let's just talk about this. How was having a baby? <laughs> just jump right into the bodily fluid portion you know, of the discussion. <laughs> um, I have told people several times that if I could trade a month of being pregnant for a day of labor, I'd do it. Because that was the part I did not enjoy. And while I did not – you don't enjoy labor, um, I'm somebody who – likes not likes nobody likes likes marathons climbs mountains like my husband and I enjoy doing sort of weird extreme activities it had a similar feeling in that it was like this is going to be grueling uh it's not going to last forever I can see an end in sight and at the end awesome prize (laughs) so I kind of understood that process and felt okay about it uh, that being said, it is very tough. It's tougher with Pitocin, which we won't get into all the... So you were right. induced. I had to be induced for medical reasons, which I was not excited about. What but, were they? Um, it's this thing called GBS positive, which means you have something as the mom that doesn't affect you, but while the baby is being delivered can be passed on to the baby and give them a, a pretty serious infection. And so... Uh, my, is it a blood co- incompatibility? It's just a um, strep bacteria. Oh. Uh, I also had that. <laughs> so so uh, they need to get you in the hospital and on antibiotics while you're in labor. So you can't just hang out at your house like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And my water had broken, which is the barrier between her and me. So they needed to get, her, out. get her moving. And so, um, but yes, the Pitocin is a bitch. 
And uh, I always tell people, don't don't let them give it to you if it's not necessary. Um, Is but- that a thing that they? It's I almost everyone I know who's had a baby in the last five years has been induced. I don't know, and I'm wondering. I think it's frequent. Yeah, I was satisfied that mine that we needed to get her moving. I understood that, um, but if you can at all, if it's possible for you to go without, go without. Because mm-hmm. you know your body has a way of making this happen, and you know you learn all this stuff when you're pregnant. And you make all these decisions about how you want to have a baby, and of course the baby's not necessarily going to cooperate. <laughs> but it's good to be informed about that kind of thing. And I'll, I will give a plug to the business of being born which is that uh the ricky lake film the documentary that they did which is just sort of a good overview of like here's the kind of things you face when you walk into a hospital as a pregnant woman here's how to deal with some of them here's some choices you can make good to know your options so what was your plan versus what happened well i would have liked to have been at home i understood that because of the antibiotics they they test you late in your pregnancy so i knew at like 36 weeks that i had to go in for the antibiotics so I would have liked to be at home. Home before um, or you mean? Get, not the whole time. Right. Just like Hang, for a while yeah, before it gets intense. Um, and then uh, I, it went as naturally as possible given that it, I was all jacked up on Pitocin. <laughs> I did finally uh, like reach for the epidural at like nine hours in. Wow. Uh, but it was very late and it never kicked in. And so it was kind of the best of both worlds because it didn't slow anything down and like – I had numb feet, but not a numb uterus, um, (laughs) which was painful. But uh, like 45 minutes later, I had a baby Mm -hmm. and, you know, she was with it and I was with it and we got to experience the whole thing. So So uh, you basically had natural childbirth except for the being induced part, right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you didn't really have painkillers that it worked. Didn't work. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, I did. And they say that, that that eight and a half, eight to eight and a half centimeters mark where like you're almost there. Is when most, you know, if you're trying to do it natural, most people go, I can't do this anymore. Um, I was happy with the way that that went because the epidural can slow you down. Didn't slow me down. Had a baby pretty quick. So uh, it went very well and everybody was healthy and happy. And then the endorphins are like, woo! (laughs) (laughs) And then did you have any um, depression afterwards or anything like that postpartum? I did not. And my husband very sweetly, I found out later, had read up. On <laughs> all of this and, and was like very proactive about getting me out of the house and what would you like to do? Can we get you together with some friends? Can we do this? And, that? and I didn't have and I I have been depressed before, um, mainly because of like medically because of uh, birth control in mm-hmm. the past. Oh, so, we have that in common. Yeah. So I knew how to recognize that. But when you're in the moment, sometimes you don't recognize that because it all feels real and terrible right <laughs> so but i was i felt very lucky not to have to deal with that so so okay here's a question then a selfish selfish me question um since i am someone who has never liked being on the birth control pill right even though i because of endometriosis i really should be on it or should have been on it um but i went off of it because i'm like i just can't i just don't like living this way but that uh makes your body think you're pregnant in the back of my head is this fear that when I got pregnant, if slash when, um, it'll feel like it felt on the pill. Yes. Uh, I was worried about that, too. And there is some suggestion that perhaps me feeling icky on the pill is a progesterone sort of intolerance and that that's translated into me being sick during pregnancy. Don't quote me on any of this. I'm not 
a scientist. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I did. Um, re- I already put it on Facebook. But I did read up on a lot of this while it was happening, um, and so I think there's a chance of that. But every pregnancy is crazy different, right? And people just like there's no telling what will happen to me next time if they're you know, Lord willing, uh, I could have no sickness at all. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, but emotionally, this pregnancy didn't emotionally, get you. I didn't have any issues. Mm-hmm. I was really glad uh, because I know how to handle puking. <laughs> The emotions are a little tougher to nail down and figure out. So, okay, just two more seconds of this <laughs> intense girl talk. Which pills could you not tolerate? Do you remember? Oh goodness, um, I don't remember, but they were like the low dose. It wasn't, but yeah, because for yeah, for me, yeah. I did not like low. I think it was like low estrogen or low low estrogen or some one of the yeah. super low dose ones. They were low, and I tried two different kinds, and both times just. Uh. Yeah. Fell through the floor. Just not, not a good look for me. <laughs> okay. So the pain of childbirth. Mm-hmm. How, like, can you describe it? How bad? Is it the most pain you've ever felt? <laughs> Does it, do, you, do you process it, it as pain? It was It was the most pain I've ever felt. Um, my husband was awesome. Uh, I hope nobody on the hall was trying to have one of those really peaceful natural childbirth <laughs> because i ruined that vibe um for them so really loud yeah it was really <laughs> loud and my husband was great because he there was never a flicker of fear from him and i was like locked on him and i think had he had he evinced any sort of inkling of fear it really would have done me in and mm-hmm. he just stayed super super solid and i think that's tough to do and he was sort he's sort of an in the zone guy so he was like he just felt like we got this man <laughs> um so i was really glad about that i do think and i've heard you know from my doctor and from other folks who've done it both ways that without the pitocin i think i would have i just would have had a better experience um i needed it but it is tougher. So my doctor walked in. My doctor was actually out of town the week I gave birth. Of course. <laughs> so she walked in after I'd had the baby and she's like, I hear you did it the tough way with the Pitocin. So, uh, you know, I think it can be mitigated. And is- like the epidural for some people works great and they just, you know, mosey right on through and have a baby. <laughs> is it a, a on the order of insane cramps? Is it that kind of pain? It's like is de- it a it's- sharp or is it? It was much sharper than that, but it's definitely in that sort of range. Um, I mean, in that it's that type and it's that area, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's like on a level that's totally different. Yeah, and I don't want to freak anybody out. Like I, I genuinely don't. I don't have worries about going through that again. Like even though I do, I remember it quite clearly. They say there's a hormone that makes you forget. I remember it quite clearly. I remember what it felt like. And it was unfun, but um, <laughs> but I am not worried about going through it again. So I don't want to freak anybody out. I think mm-hmm. people t- people tend to talk too negatively about both the birth process and parenting, and I want to like dispel. Be that. one of those people who says, "Look, it's every everything about it is more rewarding and more fun than people are sort of letting on sometimes." Mm-hmm. Um, and you're saying that it really helped you to have your husband be such a strong uh, support in the room. It's interesting because I've read so many articles that say that, uh, you know, husbands should just, they should just be in the waiting room or whatever, because once you see your wife in that state, then you can't get that image out of your head. Uh, I mean, I could not, could, 
well, that's what I would have had to do it without him had he not been there. I cannot imagine it. He missed one contraction. He went down to grab a pizza that we had ordered <laughs> to the hospital and uh, because he had not eaten anything all day. And I, that was so much tougher than having him there. So it was really important for me. Uh, he also watched <laughs> the same episode of Sports Center, the same loop on ESPN, like, 18,000 times during the nine to 10 hours of my childbirth <laughs> because it was it was August. It was right before football season started. They were replaying old games. It was super comforting to me, like that sort of white sports noise. And he just listened to the same like preseason football report 9,000 times. <laughs> and he turned it off actually when I was about to push. He turned off the TV thinking like, we're going to like really focus. Let's turn. And I was like, no, sports back on, back on. <laughs> So that's that's your comforting white noise. That was for me. That worked like the sounds of college football made me happy (laughs) while I was in labor. You know what I've been thinking about? Well, recently because I just wrote about it um, in my column today. I've been married now for I guess a little over six weeks. Yes, congratulations! By the way, thank you very much. (laughs) I don't feel different. Like I don't feel married and. Part of that, I think, is because we were living like we were married already. Right. So nothing really on a practical level changed. But I haven't changed my name yet. Um, I Initially, I was going to, and then people are like, but you have a persona. And then I started – I mean, honestly, I have a theme song for this show. I can't change that. I understand <laughs> and that. And the website and stuff like that. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'll just legally change my name. But for some reason, I just – I think it's like I don't – who wants to volunteer for a trip to the DMV, you know? It is not a fun experience. I did it pretty quickly only because I knew that if I did not do it quickly, I would never do it. Right. That's so right now. So I I was just like, okay, Social Security office first. And I did that thinking that would be among the hardest. And it actually – it was not so horrible. But I kind of like – I have two names and I have a public name and I have a different private name. And that's my legal name. And I kind of like having – a decision there. Had I known I was going to be on TV, I'm not sure I would have used the name Mary Catherine Ham, which is there's not a lot of us. <laughs> like maybe maybe I would have made me a little bit harder to find had I had a choice. But um, so anyway, I like there being kind of a line there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you did it right away. And then the other thing we haven't done. This is personal and impersonal in a way is mingled finances like we still money wise we're still doing everything exactly how we were before like we go to the grocery store we put it all in one cart and then we get there and it's like oh this is your stuff this is my stuff and we're splitting it and then i don't know um and i even i guess we could get a joint account i'm sure at some point we will and i know when we have kids all you know they'll they'll be this new facet and this new reason to do it but right now it's like I'm starting to think, well, maybe the reason nothing really feels different is because marriage isn't a feeling. It's just a fact. Like, yes, legally we're married, but nothing really has changed. Yeah, I don't think it has to be this huge different feeling. Um, I liked liked handing off the finances, frankly. Uh, So I just put him on all my stuff and then we sort of – I mean we both – I think we both still have – the original accounts, but Mm -hmm. we're both on them. And like one became a more primary one or something like that. I don't know. That makes sense. I didn't even think about that of just adding each other as opposed to like somehow doing some new thing. But all the upkeep, like all of that sort of maintenance when you first get married is, that's my kryptonite. I'm terrible at that stuff. It's a lot of paperwork. (laughs) Yes. So um, we did get a lot of it done. I'm sure there's things that are still in my 
ham name and et cetera. Did, did you consider not changing your name at all? No, because I was looking forward to kind of having a little separation. Um, and I think, you know, my kids will have his last name and, and I, you know, when we were kids growing up, it was like, we're the hams. And I kind of like that. Like we're one unit and mm-hmm. just don't judge anybody who makes any different decision. But for me, that was like, this is who we are and we all have one name. I kind of dig that. Right. Um, what do you like about the separate, having the separate separation of identities? Um, just, I think in the event of creepsters that there is some sort of process for finding me. <laughs> and, you know, I've had a, a couple like odd, oddballs communicate with me. And so I just think it's nice to protect yourself a little bit from that. Mm-hmm. See, everyone knows his last name. So for me, I don't know that it would. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know how much it helps me either. I mean, but you it, could but it makes certainly you feel find it, but it makes me feel a little better. Yeah. A little better. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm sort of, I'm in, I'm like on this no man's land because if I say Allison Quantz, which then, is a very cool name, by the way. I know. <laughs> thank you. Sort of. I say thank you sort of because it's not actually my name really. But like if I say that, then it, that doesn't feel real because I know that that's not technically my name. But right. then Allison Rosen, although that does feel like me, I still, I'm aware that that's, that's not entirely fitting me now either. Right. I also like – I think I like having the two also because I sort of do get to have it both ways because I love Ham. That was part of what defined me as a kid. You can't have the last name Ham and not you know get knocked around a little bit – not knocked around physically, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, picked on a little bit for that and sort of have to embrace it. And that was always part of – I think that's part of who I became. So I love that. Uh, so I still get to have that and show it off. Mm-hmm. So. Did you consider at all doing – just adding his last name, like making Ham your middle name? No, because I've always gone by Mary Catherine. So it's that just complicates that. <laughs> There's Four names is a lot of names. So yeah. uh, even the three is a lot. So <laughs> I just kept it. Um, also, I want to thank you for, for – so p- listeners know that there is this makeup artist who was like the best makeup artist in the world that I couldn't find. Her name's Erica. She had done my makeup at Fox a couple times. Um, and people would actually send me links to various Erica makeup artist websites. Being <laughs> Erica, like, is this her? comma, makeup artist. Yeah, is this her? And in fact, one time I even thought I found her on Facebook, but she had completely different hair and different hair color. But I'm like, but that's how a makeup artist would be, you know? Right. Because they changed their image a lot. And I wrote it. I'm like, this is a random question, but possibly da da da, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and a couple other things I remember about the Erica I'm looking for, and I put a few details, and then I was like, this is probably a very weird message to get if it's not you. It wasn't her, actually, because I was pretty sure it was. But anyway, you managed <laughs> to get her information. I did, well, because I was at the Fox studio, and so I, you had just been talking about it as I had just been listening to the show, and so I asked the artist there if she knew Erica, comma, makeup artist. <laughs> and she did know her. And I am just bummed that it was so close yeah, to your wedding that I'd you already could not someone. figure that out. But. but but I love that I now have her information for any future weddings yeah. <laughs> that, I, that I may Important. experience. No, I think, um, I think yeah, that's thank a you tough, so much. That's a tough uh, call to make on your wedding because you want to feel like you. But you want to amp it up a little bit, right. and so having somebody with, you're comfortable with is a uh, is a tough thing to find. And I have the luxury of you know I know like ten makeup artists from my job, so that was a plus for me when I was going through that. 
And then they amped you up, right? Yes. <laughs> I got amped up. I did. I got I got some lashes, which looking back at pictures, I might not have gone with lashes because I don't usually. Mm-hmm. But I, I liked how I looked because they do a great job. They do. They do. So what else is going on? Mary Catherine Ham or whatever your other last name actually is. Um, what else is going on? Uh, just motherhood, doing, you know, having a good time. Frankly, it's uh, like I said, she's been quite easy on me. She's always been a decent sleeper. I know people are going to kill me for saying that, <laughs> but it's true. Um, you know, you have your moments when you're like, oh goodness, what have we done? Especially when my husband will be out of town, and the baby is waking up in the middle of the night, and you're cursing the skies. Uh, and wondering what you got yourself into. But I also try to keep perspective on the fact that I have one child right now. My husband is around to help. I have a very flexible situation that I'm very lucky to have. Uh, And someday I will have more (laughs) and things will be harder. So let's try not to get so, you know, antsy about this situation right Mm -hmm. now. But other than that, I had a very, uh, had very, um, loud argument with Bill O'Reilly about marijuana, which has sort of turned me into the weed girl, (laughs) which has been sort of an identity change for me. And an interesting one, because I'm not super into weed, not really a huge fan, uh, but I will loudly defend Americans' uh, right to disagree with Bill O'Reilly on the issue. (laughs) What, for people who don't know, what happened in that exchange? Um, We, I'm pro-legalization. I think we spend a ton of money on it. It's like, I think, $9 billion a year on marijuana offenders. Uh, a ton of people go through the system for mere possession, which I think can ruin your life. And I think if you are, and and frankly happens far more often to minority kids than it does to white kids, even though they report using in the same amounts. That's a huge problem. Because if you are a young black man in America, say, what would be more problematic? Smoking weed occasionally? Or going through the ringer of the criminal justice system. Like, obviously, I would rather folks just smoke weed occasionally. (laughs) So, um, and I'm happy with people disagreeing with me. I felt uh, in in bills in my exchange that I was not being uh, given an opportunity to discuss that. And then so we had sort of on one occasion with Juan in the mix, we had a very fiery exchange. And then the next week he brought me on -on one-on-one so that I could sort of have my my say. about marijuana (laughs) that's nice i mean was that his his decision like he felt bad or yeah it was just like it didn't get fleshed out the week before uh folks wrote in and said like you know i want to hear what she says i disagree with her whatever and uh and so he gave me some space on the second week which was really fun and i enjoyed it i was like oh we'll go into the no spin zone (laughs) yes indeed one-on-one no i really enjoyed it and like that's the kind of thing where i love having that back and forth and i'm happy to stand up uh for what i believe in and and you know americans who believe the same and i feel like are getting sort of trashed as you know just potheads like people have freedom to believe this and maybe not be advocating for infant pot smoking which is sort of what he was (laughs) that's what he was saying that that's where he's gonna go right well he was saying what about your daughter and i was like okay come on let's leave her out of it but we had a nice back and forth and then i ended up uh at cpac which is the big conservative gathering again debating marijuana so now i'm like that chick i do the marijuana (laughs) beat (laughs) marijuana is my beat (laughs) what is what is your actual uh experience with marijuana 
Um, I smoked a bit in high school uh, here and there for like very short period of time. I want to say like maybe my junior year of high school and just didn't enjoy it. It wasn't my thing. And I think weed can make you paranoid. And I would always get paranoid that I had smoked too much weed, <laughs> which is – it's a very meta high. That's a never-ending rabbit hole. <laughs> exactly. It sounds awful. Yeah. It, so, it is as bad as it sounds. And so I was always just like, Ugh, not having fun. So it was a very short period of my life. I gave it up. and uh, and But I like – one thing I always argue is there are plenty of people – who are like grown ass people who hold down jobs, who are extremely functional and successful, who enjoy both marijuana and alcohol in moderation. Like it, people talking about it as if it's heroin bothers me. Where, do you think that they are genuine when they talk about it that way? Or like, where's that coming from? I think a lot of it is genuine. I think it, a lot of it might be from people who have not had exposure to it and just believe that it's this horrible, horrible thing. A lot of it is from people who think, well, why add another vice to things that are legal? I understand. I, I get that. But I also think if you look at the stats of you know violent crime associated with various drugs, alcohol is far worse than marijuana. So if you're if you're somebody who believes in the freedom to in freedom in general, then you have to have a pretty high bar for banning a substance, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to meet that to me. Have you heard Ann Coulter talk about it? Occasionally. Yeah. In the course of talking to you, I was just remembering hearing her. I think she was talking to Piers Morgan or something. This was a while ago. And she, she equates it with heroin pretty much. I mean, it can have bad effects just as anything can. Um, and I think... Like when I talk about it, I try to make clear I'm not saying that in Washington or Colorado that nothing bad will happen. Like bad things will happen. Uh, But the states are supposed to be laboratories of democracy. If you believe that as a conservative or somebody who believes in federalism, this seems like a rather small adjustment to a largely failed drug policy. 80% of Americans believe it has failed. So if 80% of Americans believe it is a what are those failed... 20, where are those 20% <laughs> forming their opinions? But if, if that larger number believe this policy has failed, let's work around the margins. Let's figure out how we could do this differently. So I'm happy with letting those states experiment. The people of those states spoke. And we'll work through the bad things that happen and we'll figure out how to deal with them. And we might be spending less than $9 billion on throwing kids with marijuana in their pockets in jail. That's about it. (laughs) Plus, let's not put money in the bad people's pockets. Mm -hmm. Yes, the black market is an issue. And somebody said to me about, um, about... the strength of weed, which of course is it is stronger, and I think that's something that I think I've heard Dr. Drew talk about this. That's something you educate on as we're going through this process. Uh, but one of the things that someone pointed out to me about prohibition is what disappeared during prohibition: beer, because you want as much bang for your buck in yeah. this illegal product that you're going to great risk to acquire and sell. So I think there's a there's a possibility that that's part of the process as well. Who knows? I'm the weed girl. <laughs> that's not a bad. Per- that's not a bad label to have. Maybe I, that's how I'll describe you. Yeah, weed you girl, conservative pundit. <laughs> I'm proud. So proud. My parents are so proud. Yeah. How do they feel about all this? 
I, I don't think that they – I'm not sure they totally agree with me. They're more wary about it, but I don't think that they are upset about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just seems like in this day and age, people for people to be up in arms about weed, it's like, really? Sort of like, you know, recently on the Adam Kroll show, we were talking about movies that get an R just because someone said fuck twice. It's like, really? Yeah. Who's a, who's actually offended by that word Right. in, you know – in this day and age in that context. Well, and it's the 65-plus crowd that is still – they're the only demographic that's still anti-marijuana. And I'm like, didn't you guys kind of start this? Like, the 60s, that was you guys, <laughs> correct? So I feel like <laughs> maybe it's like penance or something. Right. I feel like you guys can't handle this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It makes you wonder, are these the people who did smoke it and were hippies? Or are these people who even throughout that whole time were afraid yeah. of it? Yeah, I'm unclear on that, actually, and I'm, I try very hard not to like armchair analyze them, so because I don't want anybody doing it to me, <laughs> so, right? Uh, so I don't know which way it goes. Right. Let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right, James Lorino said. Says, is it just me or everyone? Just wanted to hug Jack Burdett. Great job, Allison. No idea who Jack was, and I was drawn in. Um, I wanted to hug him as well. Did you hear that episode? Oh, absolutely. I did. Yeah. I mean, who didn't want to hug him? And I thought you handled it very sensitively. Thank you. Uh, and that is really tough. When I was a when I was a newspaper reporter, uh, I was in a situation on many occasions where I had to call the person whose relative had just died and do that story and to be that person. Uh, and obviously, this is a slightly different situation, but it's it's very tough to be asking those questions mm-hmm. and to do it in a way that's like a human being. <laughs> so, yeah. I, uh, but it sounded like it sounded like he not enjoying talking about it, but he was he, he was, was going through an experience while talking about it. Yeah, he was comfortable. I think. Yeah. So for any for anyone listening who doesn't know, he's um, a writer and producer. 30 Rock, uh, Mindy Project, tons of other stuff, and actually now working on Tina Fey's new show. And he came on um, and mentioned that he had experienced a family tragedy and that it played into sort of some decisions about what direction to go with his career. And it turned out that his grandson drowned in his pool. Um, and it was just it's heartbreaking. Um, but, yeah, I first of all, he's a fan of the show, so he knew in coming on – the kind of questions I ask. And I don't know, like I did a lot of quick math of the situation to right. assess how how far I could go with the questioning and whether he would be comfortable or, comfortable or not. And I mean, also another thing just to – how boring for someone to talk about their process. But he on his own mentioned that his mother had been institutionalized for drinking. Like like right. what was one of the first things he said or I – maybe it felt very early. And at that point, I – something in my head was like, oh, he's comfortable talking about – Things that other people might not want to talk about. So, right. he'll, yeah. And, I, yeah, I think he was was happy to open up about it in a safe environment. Um, but that's crazy that working for a newspaper, you had to ask people those questions. What was their reaction usually? Um, I only had one really horrible one where it was after a car accident and I was on – we had to do it. It was my job. And uh, and it was – you know, I got yelled at by a family member. Ugh. Um but in general, like I covered a lot of uh, 
it was actually I was right out of college and it was sort of tough uh, tough learning process, but good for me. But I I covered a lot of sick kids stories, so like kids who had cancer and we lost many of them like while I was covering it with the family. And so, I, but I think I learned to you know not just be a reporter sometimes and to be part of that story and. I'm in touch with those families still in some cases um, because what they were going through was real. And I was writing that story and I was trying to do it as sensitively as possible. But being in those places is a strange, strange thing to have to do. Well, if for you, does it make you think like, wait, why? What is the purpose of this? Why am I doing this? Because there yes. are certain stories where it's very clear cut, but then there are are certain sort of nebulous areas where, at least for me, all of a sudden, I just feel like my my purpose and intent, even though I know that I have one, is like slipping through my fingers and I just feel weird. Yes. Sometimes I would think to myself as I'm making that call, is this is this just voyeurism? Like, I know this is part of journalism and you call the person to get the quote. But is it serving the public interest to have a quote from this person? I'm right. not sure that that's necessary for this, but I sort of had to go through the motions and, and make those calls. When it came to stories of, you know, these kids who were suffering and, and fighting cancer and sometimes going through the loss of that child with the with the family, I really did probably sometimes step outside of the reporter role, which I'm not sure what the ethical lines were there. And that's what I was learning I'm not sure what the lines were. I tried to respect my reporter's role, but I also just wanted to be a human being about and I wanted the stories that I was writing to serve those families, to mm-hmm. be something that worked for them, not something that that edified them, not something that was oh, well, people just need to know about Johnny over here. Like it just I don't know. I'm not sure what the right thing was to do. I don't think you ever are totally. Right. But it was right. a But I do just in defense of discussing difficult things publicly, I do think when done the right way, it does help people. I mean, now obviously a yeah. podcast is different than news stories, but I wrote news stories as well back in the day. But I mean, I've gotten so, you know, so many people wrote in in response to the Jack Burdett episode and and said, you know, I lost my seven-month-old or I lost yes. this or whatever. And it like, you know, it, it was the first time I cried about it in a really long time and that helped me. Well, I think that's why I ended <laughs> Frankly, that's why I ended up writing a lot of those stories is because other parents would see the first story and that that was something that helped them. And so they came to me with another story. And so that's kind of how that happened. I do think for sure it can help people work through these things and to do it publicly. Many of them needed help raising money and doing all sorts of things mm-hmm. um, and just having prayer and help and, and and good vibes from the community was part of how – they dealt with it. And, you know, you've got a teenager with bone cancer and she sees her entire community, you know, doing something to help her out. That was part of the process. So, yeah. yes, I agree. Gary Sneezes LLC says, <laughs> all, the, all the talk of secret passages reminded me. Always wanted to live in Webster's house when growing up. Okay. We must have been talking about secret passages on the show. Was this when I talked about my fantasy of having three little doors in the back of my closet, one that went to a roller coaster, one to an escalator <laughs> for some reason, and one to an elevator? Yeah, and I said I had a friend who had a fake bookcase thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember Webster's house. Did it, ha- it must have had a secret passage. I don't remember it either, but I would love to live in a house with a secret passageway. Obviously, that's the dream. Yeah. The dream. The only one. <laughs> yeah. My grandparents had a farm at one point. Uh, and there was a secret passage from – I wish I remembered where 
it, where it went, like a panel in the wall that spun around and then took you to the staircase. Yeah. So I was super, super excited about it. But um, the first day we were there, there was a dead mouse that was found like on the stair. So I was like, I'm, I'm going it's to not avoid as this. charming <laughs> no. as one would hope. Yeah. <laughs> a tech billionaire who lives kind of where our parents uh, live was discovered to have built like three or four hidden rooms that no one in his family knew about. And there was like a private door and like a very long tunnel, like a couple hundred yards to get to him. Really? Where he was doing drugs and having sex with hookers. Wait. With money yeah, I guess a secret, company. a secret Who, room can have all sorts of bad Yeah. Wh- why is it a secret? I can't remember his name, but it was one of the guys who founded Broadcom. A tech billionaire. That's. It, I didn't even know there was a tech billionaire who lived near where our parents live. Oh, there's a couple. Um, huh. This is ringing a bell because I think I re- it was like a few years ago that it all came out, right? Yeah. I think I remember hearing about it. And I think I'm- at the time I was like, I don't know who this person is. Okay. Bill Hiron says, green mint chocolate chip ice cream tastes better than white. Oh, I totally agree with this. <laughs> How frequently do you find white mint chocolate chip ice cream? I feel like there was an era where they wanted to be like sort of more all natural mint. Yes, everything was clear. And so they went, yes, maybe it was the Crystal Pepsi days and they went white with the Briars mint chocolate chip. But I definitely prefer mine green. And mint is green. Like, why do we have to pretend? Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing with our our lives? Natural mint is green. But did it actually taste different? Or did it just look different? I'm not a I'm not a real I'm not a mint chip fan. My brain says it's better. Okay. But my brain also says that uh like really thinly sliced cheese is better than thicker cheese. So that can't be right, right? Oh no, your brain's your brain is right, I okay. think. When it comes to that. <laughs> Gary? I'm not wild about mint chocolate chip. You in, and I are so any, on the same page when it comes sense. to ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. But I yeah. We're in the vanilla club, it's, and that doesn't mean we're boring. Yeah, vanilla, I, I am in disagreement with you guys about really? that one. But I'll, I'll make a nice homemade vanilla ice cream, but to me, that's the only moment that I enjoy a vanilla ice cream. You I don't, make ice I don't cream? Buy you know who doesn't one. agree with us? I yeah. like the bean, too. <laughs> <laughs> who does yeah. agree with us? I'm not a, I'm not a person who yes, would purchase sorry. vanilla ice cream. And when my mother used to do it as a child, I was like, what is the point? <laughs> Really? Yeah. Are you one of those people who's like, it's just sweet? Sort of, yeah. But I'm also not a big sweets person in general. Okay. Well, so then your opinion doesn't count. (laughs) Pretty much. But wait, you you make ice cream? I mean, in the summer sometimes. I believe I got an ice cream maker for my wedding. Oh. So we we churn that puppy up. Yeah. It's pretty fancy. It is. Do you remember back I'm an artisan. (laughs) (laughs) Your locavore. Do you remember back in um, the old days when making ice cream involved a bucket, like a big wooden bucket and a bunch of ice and mm-hmm. something you crank? I did that. Yes. Yeah. With I the f- rock salt? Yes. Yep. I See, this is me. I don't like the sweets. So I was I was kind of more into the rock salt. I'm like, oh, it fell in my ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Well, now there's all sorts of sweets that do that. With- I know. Salted caramel style. Yeah. Yes. We've come, we've come around to my tastes. Ken Gunther says, when I see a girl with her hair hastily pinned up, I assume she has her period, hashtag sweatpants, hashtag pimples. No, I've never assumed that, nor Uh, do I do that when I have my period. If that is the case, then I look like I've had my period basically my entire life. Only when it's this length is it not hastily pinned up. (laughs) 
Now, was this cute haircut a, I now have a child, I need a, a more no-nonsense hairdo? Not that it's no-nonsense, because it's very nonsense in the good way. I feel like it's kicky. I feel like that's the <laughs> adjective for it. Yeah, it is. Um, no, I uh, I was actually kind of afraid that people would think that. Like, I told the stylist, I was like, cut it, but not so short or boring that people are like, oh, that's her, I gave up, I'm a mom cut. <laughs> so that's what I was going for. Hopefully it worked and it's not uh, too mom cut. But I actually, my hair grows really fast. So I do this about every six to eight months. Oh. It just comes down and then I chop it all off. And then it comes back down, chop it all off. So we'll see. But now I had a baby and she might have, you know, stolen my glory up here. And it might, right, not, doesn't it, it might doesn't not grow the same as it used pregnancy to. Pregnancy change your hair? They Heard say that. that, but it mine didn't really. My leg hair stopped growing. That was amazing. Let's That's bring nice. that back. Wow. No leg hair. And since, you know, <laughs> you enjoy the period dog so much. Haven't had one since 2012. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. And perhaps that's the best. Perhaps that's the trade-off with the being sick during my entire pregnancy. No period since. Wow. Yeah. I can't stop saying it. That's the the breastfeeding. Oh, right. I just, I never knew that. I just found that out that when you breastfeed, you don't get your period. Yes. I wonder why though. I don't know if it's meant to. Space your babies out a little bit. But I've, but heard, I've also but heard that you can get pregnant. You can get pregnant. They, the doctor tells you that. Do not think you can't because you maybe ovulate. Are you expecting to get it all the time? No, I've kind of like I've set aside that part of my life and I've moved on. And so someday it's going to be a sneak attack. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens. Did you used to have heavy periods? Mm, not. They were normal. Okay. How perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I, I did get sick on the first day every time. So that part I'm glad to be done with. Mm-hmm. But then it just kind of, we ride it out after that. How's breastfeeding? Um, I feel very fortunate that it came pretty easy to us. Um, people can really have a tough time with it. And I really wanted to do it and get it right. But I also had given myself, same with the epidural, and I think this is important to like give yourself permission to do something different Mm -hmm. a friend had told me look we tried it with my son for six weeks we were both miserable i was in pain he wasn't getting what he needed uh and some people who are really you know really into breastfeeding will tell you like never give up never give up (laughs) and they switched to formula he's fine the baby is going to grow up healthy has a loving mother like you know it doesn't have to be the end of the world it worked really well for us and i love to me, it became super convenient because everything I have to feed the baby is right here and I can go out and I can feed the baby out. And it is pretty amazing how quickly all this gets pretty utilitarian, like just <laughs> to you. I think I, I grew up in a very modest household because I had two brothers. And I think I've always been a fairly modest person. And as soon as that baby starts needing food and this is the vehicle for the food, you will whip it out. Like it's just like in front of family members you never thought you would in places you never thought you would and frankly in public it's not that revealing like it's it's not the end of the world um but I always thought I would be like oh I need a cover and no nope, I'm on the plane like what's up <laughs> have you gotten looks from anyone no um and I'm like I'm pretty discreet about it if I do it but I I was surprised how quickly I adjusted to that yeah yeah well that's good I've enjoyed it. It's been it's been easy and rewarding for us. It's not that way for some people. And it's, yeah. it's a tough battle. I was just just I don't know why reading something about 
the how painful it can be. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, there's there's a time at the beginning where you have to just steal yourself and keep at it. It's tough. I think I'm more worried about that than the pain of labor. <laughs> I don't want cracked, bleeding nipples. Ew! I, even <laughs> saying it makes I, I just clenched everything in my body. It is. It's that that part is gross, but yeah, you get over it. Urbaguila says, every time I see a bird at night, I think it's a bat. Just me or everyone. Um, No, I don't have that. Although in Austin, they have bats that fly around all at night. So there I would think that, but no. I frequently think they're bats, but that's because I think I grew up where we had a similar Austin situation where there was a swarm of bats over my elementary school every night in the evening. So that's my, that's where I came from. Right. (laughs) Bats are part of who I am. I'm okay with bats. Yeah, they don't really bother me too much. Although, when I was 11 or so, I was at my best friend's house in the guest room, and we were watching Arsenio Hall, and the blonde girl from Jurassic Park was on, and she was my hero at that age because I was super awkward, and she was so beautiful and blonde and cute, and she was being interviewed, and we were sitting in front of a futon, and damned if a bat didn't swoop up from behind it. And all around the room. Oh, my God. That and we is ran creepy. out and hid. Or actually, no, we stayed in and put a blanket over our heads and just screamed bloody murder until her father came and captured it. <laughs> How did he capture it? I think he just chased it around the house and, like, cornered it and, like, pillowcased it. That's a verb. Pillowcased it. <laughs> and we did not get to watch the end of Arsenio Hall that oh, night. no. Yeah. It was who's, tough. Who's the blonde from Arsenio, from Jurassic Park? The little girl. That little girl. The sister. Ariana something. She was also in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Mm. The granddaughter of the old man who runs Jurassic Park. Don't tell anyone. I haven't seen Jurassic Park. What? I know. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Come on. It was I know. Even, it was even available in 3D recently. I've also never seen a 3D movie. Yeah, I'm not really into them, but I kind of thought about doing Jurassic Park 3D because I, need I to do see enjoy it. that movie. Mm. If you only so much. that I can know who we're talking about right now. Well, when you see it and you watch her, you can think, wow, she was really cool. Think with your 11-year-old okay. brand. She was really cool. <laughs> she, I had it, she had it together in a way that I did not in 1991. When did you get it together? Oh, much later. <laughs> like, I got my braces off when I was 17, and that was a turning point for me. Uh, but I would say, like, even later than that. It sort of, it sort of evened out at about 18. <laughs> And uh, that's what I've, I tell friends with daughters. Best birth control ever. It's awkward till 18. <laughs> <laughs> I can make proper decisions now. Uh, but I had like these huge buck teeth and uh, like serious, like grew in at a 45 degree angle to the ground. I could not close my mouth until I got my braces off at 17. It was I also had braces until I was 17 or 18. And I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm getting my driver's license and I have braces at the same time. Yes, it is not fun. Mm-mm. Yeah, the braces were not cool. Gary, how does this notion of a bat flying around your house, uh, how are you reacting to that? Because Gary maintains that if there was a bird flying around his apartment, that would be just as scary, if not worse, than finding a mouse. Whereas I'm like, I would be okay with a bird. But a, ba- a bat is the worst of everything for you, I would imagine. Only because it's rabid, but it's it's up there with a bird. Really, same same level of. See, it. I don't understand why the bird doesn't get you, because then it's like, oh, it's in your hair. Well, no, the bird does get me. The bird gets the me bird, more than the a The bird mouse. doesn't get it's me. Worse, oh, the bird doesn't get you. No. See that I don't. Birds I don't are understand the dirtiest that. fucking creatures ever. I don't want something flapping around. Well, they're so frantic, 
and you can't get them out. I feel like the problem with the mouse, though, is that you eventually have to do away with the mouse. And mice are cute, and that is tough. My parents do it because we have a cat that brings them presents. Ew. And I do not envy them that job. But there's nothing you can do. There's The, the mouse is in your house. It's got to be taken care of. Yeah, maybe because I had pet birds. I don't know why birds. I mean, I, a bird just eventually will fly on out. I guess. After but, fucking your yeah. shit up. <laughs> Like what damage do- is a mouse really going to do to my place before it eventually runs back where it came from or out somewhere? A bird's going to fly around and fuck shit up and leave feathers and God knows what all over my place. And I feel like as a woman, you have a concern about the bird in your hair. Now I've got a concern about the mouse in my butt. Oh. <laughs> or in my front area. That- Just uh, all sorts of... All sorts of rodents burrowing in your orify. I feel like your reflexes are good enough to catch that around the knee before it gets any farther. <laughs> One would hope. What if it goes down my neck and then down well, my that's shirt? True. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. A it's, bird it's a you good can thing know you're married where it is. So that somebody can help you and be in the that's same right. house with you. Uh, Johnny Primo says, I hate that I need the barista at Starbucks to see me drop my tip in the box. Just mirror everyone. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing worse than like feeling like should I should I drop another tipping because I don't think this one was noted. Right. You want to be, or maybe you should just put your fingers sort of over the edge, like look right. what I did. Thank you so much. Bonk like that. Um, although, do you guys always leave a tip at a coffee place if there's a tip jar? Not always. Not always. Yeah. But if I do, I prefer to pay with cash and then i get change because then when you like dump the dollar if you dump like a nickel or something with it they'll hear that shit right turned around and then they'll say thank you right i've been having issues with the coffee people lately because i just figured out that i like a cafe au lait i didn't know this before what do you think you liked i didn't really drink cafe au lait cafe au lait lait is half a cup of coffee and then steamed milk it's like a latte but milk but coffee instead right. of espresso. But it's pretty standard. I just didn't know what it was called. I got into coffee after my kid was born. I actually didn't drink coffee before that thinking I'm going to need another level and I don't want it to be crank. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've said that before in public, but that was I was laying off of the coffee. So now I'm kind of into it, right? I find my drink and everybody at Starbucks is ordering all kinds of insane shit and I go up there and say cafe au lait and they look at me like I'm crazy like what is that and I'm like no really it's a thing I looked it up uh, before I came in here because I had that you know stage fright about being at Starbucks they want me to say cafe misto because that's the Italian word not the French word oh how annoying right I didn't know that that's what a cafe misto is yeah apparently. I thought that oh I'm thinking of macchiato or something well fuck them anyway I'm new to the whole thing you know what Starbucks hey yes. hey Go fuck yourself. A friend of mine, I remember Just Me or Everyone. I think this was Just Me or Everyone. It was Michael Rosas who's been on this show. But this was back when I did the show as a Ustream show. And he doesn't like when you're at Starbucks and there's a long line. And then they start coming out into the line to get your order. Oh. Have you been? Have you guys been in this situation? No, that happens at In-N-Out, but I've never had that happen at a Starbucks. Yeah, it does because – it does, and the reason that it can fuck you up is you think that you have until you get to the counter, but all of a sudden right. now you need you to have it. your order, and you're like four. It's like four people away. Figure it out. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Alyssa, just me or everyone? I say W D U B B A hyphen U instead of W when referring to the letter V. What? To refer to letter after V. Nice. Like that would be just that you. Was definitely just you. <laughs> I'm referring to the letter after me. Yes. Um, let's see. W. 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 
I kind of split the difference. I asked the D. Yeah. Um, nice beat. Laser. No, that's not. That's uh, Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, Ping and Pong and his beat. My bad. Yeah. They're similar. <laughs> well, I fucked that up. Um, wait, what do you guys say? I think W. It's sort of in the middle. W. It's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Okay. And then lastly, Brian Smith says, often end up standing impatiently in front of old-fashioned non-automatic paper towel dispensers, <laughs> futilely waving my hands. Yes, yes, I do that too. That that does make you feel dumb. I've done that. I have one that I know I disagree with you guys on because I was listening one day. Please. And it's on the subject of the dividers for the grocery store. And Gary's probably going to get all ill with me because he knows all about grocery stores. <laughs> and I'm doing it the wrong way. But here's my thing. Jesus. <laughs> Hold on. Here's my thing. I'm just deferring to your expertise in this area. Wait, the dividers? The dividers in the, the, the line. The rack thing? No. Um, in between orders when you're your checking out. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So oh, my, okay. my feeling about that, when someone's in front of me and they put down the divider real quick, I feel like, what, you don't want to be next to my cheese? Like it feels like a little like really if they do it too fast. Like little... like feel like they've just like turned their back to you. Yeah, like, like good day. Like, psh, my stuff isn't your stuff. Like I well hey I didn't want to mingle really? our things that badly. So it's just a it's just a a brief second of like insult. they don't trust you. And then I move on. <laughs> yeah. But then you guys were talking about like it, that's a favor. So I'm trying to see it in a different light now. That's like if someone paid your toll. In a toll line, you'd be like, what? They think I can't afford yeah, it? Yeah, like I'm poor? Yeah, <laughs> maybe that is it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying to view it in a different light now. You guys have helped me with that. It's just, it's more of like if they move too fast, like, ooh, I immediately got to cut this off. Yeah. Just give it a beat. Do you feel like you should be the one who throws down the divider? No. Because I think, because didn't we talk about that, like this question of what is the protocol here? I don't remember talking about this specifically but um i think the question was do you put it down for the people behind you or do you when you get up there do you put it down to block to like mark where your groceries are i mean i'll do both the the second question isn't your the second question isn't your choice Right. That's up to the person before you, right. what they decided to do i just want to give it a beat like i'm acknowledging you as a person i'm acknowledging your groceries uh if they touch, that doesn't really bother me, but let's be helpful and put down the divider. No, just a always, little space to it. You always put that down. I mean, right. you got to look and make sure they're not still unloading their cart, but then it's just, all right, I've got business to do here. I'm laying See. this down, and then you put it all up, and then I, I'll always put the one behind me so the person behind me doesn't have to do that two-second thing of, like, is he done? He's more business-like about it than I am. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm turning the corner on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like when you get up there and there's not enough dividers left. Then you have to, like, use paper towels and lay them across or something like that. (laughs) True. In that case, I just wait and leave enough space so that when there are dividers, I can put it there. Yeah. See? I'm learning. Daniel and I had an experience recently at the grocery store where um, everything the checkout person did, what it communicated to us was, hey, fuck you. Mm. She was so like just like slamming the groceries down. Something had set her off. We're not sure. We think it might have been that she did not. Like I feel like there's this question nowadays over whether you should bag your own stuff or whether they should be bagging yes. your stuff. Gary, it's a what's thing. what's the right thing? Uh, Are we in the, Europe? No, it's on them to, to bag your stuff unless you want to. I feel like there's a lot of reluctant 
baggers, well, not them. I mean, there's a lot of reluctant people buying stuff at grocery stores who begin to bag their own stuff because the checkout person doesn't make the move. And they're like, well, I have my campus totes. I may as well put this in. It does feel a little unclear sometimes. I had – Well, wait that shit out and they'll start doing it. <laughs> yeah, but, but then they'll like slam the stuff into your cart and they'll just be very surly. Like when she handed me the receipt, she did not even say, oh, Miss Rosen, which again, the name thing. You saved two twenty nine today, which is they normally do. Right. She just, hand, she just held it out to me like everything about this situation smells. Our grocery store is uh, fun. Not a great grocery store, but the, the checkout people are sort of – oddly friendly and sort of jovial and i gave my id to uh a young man who was running the cash register because uh, i was buying wine and i handed it over and he looked at me and he goes i know you're young looks at it or not <laughs> <laughs> and that was my uh welcome to the old age grocery <laughs> store experience that does sound fun is this yeah. some special like one-off mom and pop grocery store farmers no market thing? it's just a regular chain but the people are kind of fun another another cashier told my husband i like the way your shirt fits i think she sounds like she's coming on to him yeah i wasn't in the line yet but we we enjoyed it he enjoyed it i have no such exchanges at the grocery store that i go to maybe it's just because i'm a regular now they no we're we're total regulars they just don't like us they're not embracing or they don't like anyone no maybe maybe we need to shop around till we find a grocery store that welcomes us yeah that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shop. I don't care how far. I have to drive. <laughs> to find somewhere where they embrace you. That's right. Well, Mary Catherine Ham, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thank you for having me. I feel very honored to be asked again. And uh, it was a blast, as always. You're in a special club of people that have been on twice. Thanks. I'm such a fan. I really am. I love that. It's a great show. The Thursday show is hilarious. Thank you. And my daughter can jam out to your theme song because she listens to it all the time. Yeah. Our youngest fan, Mm -hmm. possibly. (laughs) Thank you. So people can follow you on Twitter at Mary – give your plugs. At MK Hammer. I'm mkhammertime.com. And I actually will give a couple real quick plugs to um, some right of center ladies who I think are awesome to read. Uh, One, my friend Emily Zanotti, who's at nakeddc.com. She does a hilarious sort of – gossipy political site, NakedDC.com, and Megan McArdle, who writes for Bloomberg and is a great economics writer if you're into that kind of thing, and Catherine Miller at BuzzFeed, who is the political editor. But it's nice to get to know some ladies on the right, and they do a great job, and they're not blowhards. They're awesome <laughs> women. So Awesome. We will check them out. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. We have a ringtone available. Hey, hey. Fuck yourself. You need this. Um, and you can get it by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone. In the iTunes store, we have a special bonus episode available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival with Doug Benson and Matt Costa and the Thursday Gang. Um, and 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 if you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show. Um, and thank you guys so much for all of the support on Amazon. I saw a lot of nice tweets today, actually, with, from people saying things that they had got on Amazon, um, which totally helps us. And you can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. And I think that's it. Did I leave anything out, Gary? I did not leave anything out. You guys, I love you. Beware of bats flying around when you're trying to watch Arsenio Hall. Indeed. He's back on the air, so there's a threat. <laughs> exactly. So be, be careful. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Bye, you guys. Love you. Hey, do you know...
attention. Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. Just as a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Nono. To get your Nono and take advantage of the exclusive offer for my listeners, go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. That's nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Now that the show's over, remember to go to naturebox.com and order great-tasting, healthy snacks at 50% off. Forget the vending machine and get in shape for summer with healthy, delicious treats like barbecue kettle kernels. Support this podcast and get 50% off your first month. Go to naturebox.com allison. That's naturebox.com allison.